Welcome to the Life Expansion After 50 podcast. Today's episode number 38, Priming and Cognitive Biases. I first became intrigued with cognitive biases when I read the book Influenced by Robert Cialdini in 1990. Now, I've listened to the book multiple times and recommended it many times since then. He now has a great complimentary book titled Presuasion, whereas the first book was designed to help everyday people become aware of the influence tactics being used on us by marketers, politicians, and others who want something from us. The second book was written more balanced between both audiences, the marketers, as well as the targets, the target of the influencer strategies and the purveyors of them. I particularly find persuasion very helpful for salespeople. The short version is we're always being primed. The question is, are you controlling your own priming? And if you are a leader, manager, or salesperson, are you proactively providing primes that are aligned with your objectives? I can sense some of you may cringe at that statement, but let's face it. Advertisers have been using our cognitive biases to get us to buy products for over two centuries and beyond. We just have more data now because we can see when areas of the brain are lighting up and can connect more dots. Plus, the more neuroscientists know, the deeper they want to dig into these areas. I'll also point out that Robert Cialdini is adamant about not using these principles for nefarious reasons. His point of view, which I agree with 100%, is that if you're selling a product or service to someone who is obviously a good fit, then highlighting these factors where they are already present makes sense. He's against people artificially introducing them. In fact, in the U.S., so is the Fair Trade Commission. In other words, if a marketer is introducing false scarcity, they can be called out for that. Now, I get it. There are people who've had it with being sold to, and I understand your pain. But many of those same people have homes full of gadgets that they've bought. So it's not that they don't want to spend their money. It may be that they want to do it on their own terms. And that brings us full circle to this episode. It's possible they bought those gadgets because of great ad copy. See, we're being primed all the time. If you listen to the episode on confirmation bias, you know how easy it is. Now, the second time cognitive bias has got my attention was in reading the book, The Willpower Instinct, about 12 years ago. This is a very informative read and one that entrepreneurs, leaders, and anyone going through a transformation should read. In addition to nuggets like willpower wanes as the day goes on or decision fatigue also impacts willpower, the planning fallacy essentially that we will consistently overestimate what we can accomplish next week, even when reminded that we fell short the last three weeks in a row. Now, this made me want to know more. Since then, I've uncovered a couple of dozen cognitive biases, and there's, lit- there's, a, there's a hundred of them that I've observed at one time or another impacting the plans and achievement pursuits of myself or others. In the last two episodes, I covered five cognitive biases that I believe have the potential to wreak havoc on plans to expand, grow, or create. In this episode, I connect the dots between priming and cognitive biases. The reason for this approach is I was looking for a way to slow down and mitigate the priming effect for people, something that, that was very accessible to them. Priming is a psychological phenomenon where exposure to a stimulus influences how a person responds to a subsequent related stimulus, often without their awareness. It's like preparing the mind to think or react in a certain way based on previous experiences or information. This process can impact perceptions, attitudes, and behaviors without individuals even realizing it. Essentially a cue that we predictably follow like it was our own intention. I believe it's easier to manage these various phenomena when we can label them. 
Labeling them allows us to better perceive them and notice them when they're happening. And this can open the door to more choices. That's why I landed on cognitive biases as the pathway to this end. A cognitive bias is a systematic pattern of deviation from rationality and judgment, whereby inferences about other people and situations may be drawn in an illogical fashion. These biases often stem from the brain's attempt to simplify information processing, leading to perceptual distortion, inaccurate judgment, illogical interpretation, or what is broadly called irrationality. In other words, it's like the brain plays tricks on us and jumps to conclusions or makes irrational choices as a result. As you can see, taken together, these two patterns, cognitive biases and priming, explain how our minds can sometimes act in surprising ways. Imagine your brain as a detective that, without you even realizing it, collects clues and makes decisions based on previous experiences or subtle influences. So when you make choices or see things, it's not always just about what's happening now, but also about the detective work your brain has done in the background, shaping how you think and act. This detective work is being done by the unconscious, which, as you recall, can process at 11 million bits per second. Given the conscious mind has a reaction time of from two to seven-tenths of a second, the unconscious may have already processed over two million bits of information before the conscious mind is even aware. That's why I refer to the countermeasure as a slowing down or creating a space between stimulus and response. At this point, I'm not even talking about the impact of emotions, and that's an additional level of complexity and why I talk about emotions as the gateway to what we want on my seven fitness areas. It goes both ways. When we're stressed, we're more susceptible to irrationality. And when we're positively energized, we have greater ability to prime ourselves in a way that's aligned with our objectives. Before we look at a few more cognitive biases, I want to provide this example of priming, which I think will get anyone's attention. You no doubt have heard of the Pygmalion effect or maybe the study where teachers were told blue-eyed students were smarter than students with eyes colored other than blue. There's more. Like in standardized tests, they found African-Americans did more poorly on tests when they simply added a question about their ethnicity on the exam. In other words, that single question primed them, which I see as neurons taking off firing all these past associations, which led to maybe giving up sooner, maybe evoking fear. It could be a myriad of things. But there's even more. These studies are taken from the book before you know it, by John Barge, one of the books on my recommended list. In a follow-up experiment, researchers Amity and she wanted to know what would happen if they did a similar prime on Asian American girls. Why? Because in the U.S. there is a cultural stereotype that Asian American teens are good at math. However, there's also a stereotype that girls are not as good at math as boys. Now keep in mind, I'm only reporting what I've read in the book. So the next passage is actually verbatim from the book. So, so what are you supposed to believe about yourself if you happen to be an Asian American girl? According to American culture, one part of your social identity, Asian, says you should be good at math, while another part, female, says you should be bad at math. Researchers Ambity and she recognized that the dilemma of Asian American girls afforded a unique research opportunity to gauge the automatic unconscious effects of a person's social identities on their actual behavior and performance. So in the first set of studies, they showed that high school age and 10-year-old girls did better on standardized age-appropriate math tests if they were first primed with their Asian identity. 
In other words, that was the most active aspect of their identity when they worked on the test. But these girls did worse if they were instead primed beforehand with the female identity. It was disturbing that these effects showed up as early as fourth grade. But the researchers suspected that grade school teachers from first grade on had already gotten the message across through different classroom treatment of boys and girls, that girls were not expected to be as good at math as boys. So unfortunately, by fourth grade, this was apparently already ingrained in the girls' heads. The book goes on to say the researchers did a similar test with five-year-old Asian-American girls. Instead of answering questions, they were asked to draw pictures. In one case, the pictures primed their gender, and in the other case, the pictures primed their ethnicity. The results were the same. Now, if you've been a listener of my podcast episodes, you'll see the connection to associations that download from ages zero to seven. It doesn't surprise me at all that five-year-olds would already have the same bias. This is why this work is so important to me. Now, when it comes to life expansion after 50, we can see self-doubt is not necessarily real, or at least it doesn't have to be. These cognitive biases have been at play for so long, and when you consider that 95% of our lives are run by habit, you can see the challenges. Fortunately, there are countermeasures that we can apply, and easily accessible as well. Now let's look at a few more cognitive biases that can get in the way of your transformation, pivot, or just moving above the line. First, we have anchoring bias. This is relying too heavily on the first piece of information encountered. For example, during a negotiation, the first offer made often serves as an anchor for subsequent discussions. If a seller sets a high price initially, buyers may struggle to adjust their perceptions leading to suboptimal agreements. Anchoring biases can impact pricing negotiations, contract discussions, and partnership agreements. As long as 40 years ago, I learned that in building sales presentations, that we should present the choice you want the prospect to take as the second one in a group of three or four. You can see this process practiced today online where there may be three or four options, and they even go so far as to highlight the second one as the most popular or recommended. I'm sure that's a takeaway from the studies of the past. If you're considering a new position, you can see why it's important to be comfortable negotiating salary. And if you're in a career, maybe even merit. It's beyond the scope of this content, but it's why when I was renting motorcycles, I never discounted the price. Instead, I would add additional benefits like a complimentary GPS or maybe a later return. Why? Because I didn't want to cheapen the value, anchoring to that higher price. Another cognitive bias is the halo effect. Now, this amounts to letting one positive or negative trait influence overall judgment. If you've been in employee development discussions, you have no doubt seen this bias in action. Another example is a charismatic team member who receives praise for successfully navigating a difficult process. Now, due to the halo effect, this positive perception might extend to unrelated areas such as financial acumen, project excellence, or just knowledge in general. This bias could lead to overlooking potential risks or flaws in the overall business strategy. I believe it's why we often see high-performing operational leaders tap to lead major projects or initiatives that build a new capability in an organization. Project leadership is very different uh, from operational leadership, and in my opinion, it's a source of projects missing deadlines, timelines, budgets, etc. It can occur at the leader level, representing the project sponsor, or manager level, managing the day-to-day dynamics of the project. Now, I'll cover four cognitive biases the next time, 
and start introducing countermeasures. This series is less about remembering what each cognitive bias is. A quick search can do that. My objective is that people understand the phenomena and then take steps to mitigate the effects. These biases are based on the unconscious prioritization of survival, which includes avoiding the unfamiliar and anything else the unconscious deems scary, like setbacks and stumble. And these are necessary parts of the learning progress, so we want to get a handle on this. Has your progress been slowed by the impact of cognitive biases? Please feel free to leave a comment. I'd like to hear from you. Stay strong. We'll see you next time.